Hey, I'm Danny Belden. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And I gotta know, what does Lo-Fi Girl do for a living? Yeah, I mean, she's just like a Gen Zer college student, perpetually in college somehow. I don't know how she's financing it. I don't know how she's financing these cozy sweaters, these beautiful rooftop study patio areas. Yeah, I just want to live in her house. I do. Like, I'm, there's fireplaces, the best covers. Like, as an adult, I know how expensive the thread count is. I just want to nap with her cat. Honestly, that cat's lifestyle, I will take just a quarter of its of its life and pets and such. But the lo-fi girl is definitely... Um, goals for for serenity in life yes (laughs) yes i feel that i'm just like welcoming in the lo-fi girl mood right now i'm like Mm. feeling it it's like very relaxing it is well i feel like you're you're creating your own lo-fi girl i'm just gonna tell all your business danny is like in a new little recording studio area and i feel like you are already like cultivating your own lo-fi girl environment. Yeah, I've got my little plant here on the windowsill. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am absolutely here for it. My cup uh, of tea right here. I, you got the headphones I got on. the headphones. I've got a cozy sweater, even though it's I, April and like 80 <laughs> degrees outside. It's more of a comfort thing at this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Lo-fi girl ain't out here wearing t-shirts. We're not doing that. So I'm also I'm also invested because I've seen it in person. So yeah. Yes. So we are recording back on the normal recording schedule. Uh, this episode drops in a couple of days, but we, through the magic of the internet, had front-loaded some episodes uh, because Damika came to Albuquerque to visit. What what? <laughs> And we're just too into doing this at a distance. We didn't even think about recording in person. I I don't think we would know how to. We're used to the lag. I think we would speak to each other in lag. Yes, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) But it was lovely. And Danny is even more effervescent in person. It's actually, I don't know if you know this. And I know we probably get onto our main topic because we have a lot. But when you all came to visit me in England, we went to go grab a pint before we went to my house. Mm-hmm. You guys technically were the last people I went out to like a bar area to God. have a drink with. Wow. And because of COVID and move and momming and school, you were the first person I went out and had a drink with post COVID. Oh my life. God, Damika. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling yeah. all the things right now. I yeah. feel so lucky to be that person for you. you were, yeah, it, was cr- I, it wasn't until actually we had like I, Danny made my family a lovely dinner, but we were able just to have some time, just the two of us. And I was sitting there waiting for you to come. I'm like, I just had that realization of like, it has been this long between, like I said, not having babysitters and being new and COVID and busy. I'm like, I, literally you have been like the bookends of, of that experience so and then all the hours we've logged (laughs) talking (laughs) during covid i know that's so i know thank you for being sanity and a break in that and like a you know bookends to this really normal thing that we kind of take for granted that i really don't think i do that anymore so yeah yeah that's real and i think that that's also a a lovely segue into what we're talking about today since Mm. you know thinking about how we're back on this normal recording schedule we're very like live and in the moment right now and thinking about 
the world and COVID and what has changed and what hasn't and just kind of a unicorn's state of the union, state of the world <laughs> sort of I'm episode here. here. That's that perfect. Might be the title. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Scrap whatever I had. I like that. I really like that. That I'm here for it. Yeah. So we're just going to talk a little bit about about current events in the news and where we're at. Mm, I like that. You know, in talking about the news, if you're even mentally capable of approaching the news, which you need to be at least somewhat okay, something that we've really struggled with now is feeling kind of swamped in the news of just feeling what's taking over. Like, personally, my newsfeed is still like the image of Will Smith holding his Academy Award in tears post Chris Rock slap. You know, like to me, I feel like I'm like, do we still not have a war and going on in the Ukraine? And to me, that's like still very, very much like my feed right now. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm also seeing a lot of Ukraine stuff, which I don't want to talk about. No, (laughs) but the Will Smith slap. One, how is it ever news? And two, how does it continue to be news? I mean... I'm sure we both have our feelings. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure what your feelings are, but I can guess. But yeah, shall shall we start there very briefly? Sure. I mean, I feel like we, you know, because we're in the podcast machine, I feel we have to at least dress it as, you know, women of color. I have two thoughts over processing this is one. If this slap happened at the BET Awards, I strongly feel no one would nearly care as much. Absolutely not. No, no. I strongly feel they're like, well, that's what would happen at the BET Awards. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what BET is, you have stumbled oh upon gosh. this podcast by mistake. <laughs> you think you think somebody listening to this podcast doesn't know what BET is? That would I- be baffling to me. I do not know. I mean, we got these young kids out here who don't watch cable. Yeah, Gen Zers yeah, might not they know. Don't. They're like, uh, ew, cable. So yes, it's a Black Entertainment Network and they have their own awards. So there you go. That one's for free, kids. Uh, but I strongly feel if this happened there, they would not have nearly as much coverage and emphasis yeah. to uh, take it for what you will. I'm excited to read the emails about this. I feel very strongly that y'all need to just let black people handle this. I've been, I know this is, and this is like, this is not something I rarely say, but this is black folk business straight Mm. up. Like when we see people, two successful black men, especially I will say more so Will Smith, who's gotten the seal of approval from most of white people. So I feel like we're just dealing with a lot of you all having to wrestle with his blackness. There was a skit years ago on Saturday Night Live, uh, once again, aging myself, where they did a whole like Beyonce's black when Beyonce started being very unapologetic and about mm. her blackness and making reference to the Black Panther movement. There was a kind of not nearly as big, but a similar shift of, oh, they're black. And I feel like y'all forgot that Will Smith is from Philly. Yeah. Not, just don't do not get it twisted. Do you know what I mean? Like his wife uh, used to be with Tupac, like he's in the game and y'all just forgot because it's just easier to do that. It's easier to digest. But let black people handle this. You know, we will talk to them. We will address them. They will be sorted out accordingly because it needs to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I it's a very interesting standpoint, at least for me, but I feel very strongly of I need to stop hearing so many white voices around this particular one, but because it happened in what you deem to be your space, say it what you will, in this Academy Award, 
you feel like you have a lot to say about it. And I think that's why it has stayed in the media for so much. If this mm-hmm. was something, yeah, I I feel strongly about that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the Academy loves it. Like, mm. you can't buy this kind of publicity oh, for the Academy girl. Awards. And the Academy Awards always feel increasingly like they're dying. But maybe maybe that's not the reality. But that's like the sense that I feel. And this is like breathed new life <laughs> into the Academy Awards for better or for worse. So I think I think people it's like the love to hate the situation, the like casting as victim, which, you know. Is not new, not new to the culture, Mm-mm. but I think, yeah, I think it's like seen as is something of a blessing, even though that people are being very vocal about like, you know, kicking him out, but not really, and like all, you know all this stuff. It's it's ridiculous, and I have my own feelings, but maybe my feelings don't matter because I'm not black. <laughs> People, you're allowed to have them, but I just figured this is why it's still in the news and still so apparently in quotation marks relevant is because a lot of people have a lot to say without full cultural context of it. I'm not yeah. saying I condone it. I'm not saying I'm not putting my two cents about what I actually felt about it because once again, this is there's so much more nuance to it. There's a lot of nuance and and there's like Things that I wish had had more space in the dialogue are like talking about trauma and how trauma manifests itself, you know, like, and I think there are very clear ties to seeing like the lead up to this event um, and what caused it. Talking about trauma, talking about comedy and like what is like appropriate and what is not appropriate. Like, should we be putting those labels on comedy? Like, should there be limits? Like, I think that is an interesting conversation. I think framing a conversation about like Will Smith behaving badly or like Mm -hmm. they're both in the wrong, which is like something I've seen a lot of. I don't think like those conversations are worth are worth any sort of space. I mm. think like there there could be some larger systemic conversations that would be an interesting way to digest the event. But on the other hand, like I said, why is it still news? I think your insights are are true, but I think we've already spent like six minutes too long talking about it. Exactly. And but this is why. This is why we keep talking about it because I think for for us, we see the nuances and we're not getting it. And then we're getting frustrated. And but the thing is, this is the pattern of what I'm seeing in the news. You know, even for me talking about or looking into the Megan D. Stallion case of the shooting, what was going on, of so desperately wanting to hear more of the nuances and the deeper ones but only beginning clickbait and it's frustrating. And so for us having to dive deeper and deeper and having to go down these rabbit holes in order for us to get actual, sustainable, helpful journalism for us to be able to make these really important decisions. Like right, even right now, the the Depp Heard trial that's going on right now, I can't tell you how many things I have to like scroll through or even if I wanted to read something that is simply just facts that is just the dialogue and nothing with a catchy title or with a well-placed photograph with a slant eye or a a 10 second laughter track underneath something you know it is it is absolute work to find news (laughs) to find legitimate news right and so i think that that goes 
to the question of what is news, right? Mm. I think that's been an evolving idea in our society. And I actually had this conversation with my husband a while back, like not even a while back, like last week. And him sharing with me what he would like to see more of within like his news feed and within like the public discourse. And I was like, but that's not news. You're talking about like history and like talking about history. And I think those are important conversations to have. But like to me, news, like the new in news is about like the current event and like what is happening as it's happening. But now that we live a life where literally anybody can document anything that is happening it's it's a shift in what news is and what news can be and something that you and I had mentioned was this idea that we live in silos right we've talked about this before we live in these silos and when more and more people are getting news from social media or from these different places like everything is so curated that you're stuck you're just mm-hmm. stuck in a, a cycle of these like curated things and you only know this small sliver of reality. Mm. And, and that's what's so particularly jarring and things, um, I don't know if empathize or sympathize with people who are trying to be allies and co-conspirators of. When we talk about the work, that is probably, I'm going to say, top three hardest things you're going to mm. have to do is to break out of that bubble, is to to get out of that silo, as you will, um, because it's so comfortable to live in a world that's been catered towards you. Because it's supposed to, right? That's capitalism. Yeah. That's the machine. We, You know, we talk about at the end of the episode of having people share our, our program to help us basically beat the algorithm machine because we know there's a certain kind of person who this show will be catered to. And we want this to make sure to get to any to anybody and everybody who wants to make real change or to hear a different side of outside of themselves. But it is so challenging. It is work. And, you know, Danny and I talked about off microphone. For me personally, I have to be honest, like, why would I want to break out of my comfort when the world around me is already so challenging? Yeah. <laughs> Why would I then want to sit on my phone for me personally and listen to a lot of extreme conservative content that is just literally going against me being a person? Yeah. (laughs) Why would I go seek that out? You know, and so on the flip side, I can see why it's like, why would I want to go purposely look at, you know, Black Lives Matter if that's something I find threatening to me in my day to day life? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a. you can see why change can be indeed so scary and a challenge onto itself. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's just going to become more and more difficult, which scares me because then I think mm. like news is more and more siloed. And I think there's the popular narrative on the left is like, you know, those conservatives and they're Fox News and they don't know anything <laughs> about what's happening. And like, it's like, hold up a mirror, homeboy. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I know. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we're in this place where so many people get to point fingers to the other side of like, what do you know? You're irrelevant and what's going on. And, you know, it's you're right. It does start with you. But that's like I said of the top three things of doing the work. That is definitely on there as well of like, you first and foremost have to start with you. 
You have to want to break out of that. You have to acknowledge that there are other viewpoints and other, like you said, up and current events that are happening outside of your own sphere and bubble. And it's interesting that you even said the word like new, right, of news. And I'm figuring, even in preparing for the show, I had to be so hyper vigilant of what technically can be considered to be current. Because once again, that staying power of the internet, I'm like, well, this is months old. Or like, oh, this is from last year. And what considers to be current in news, once again, what continues to be pushed and recycled and put in front of us is like Mm. so exhausting of realizing what we're being fed on a constant basis. And it it could be a bit jarring. Yeah, you know, it makes me think about those really annoying memes that are like, on this day, Willy Wonka would turn 176 or whatever. And it's like, (laughs) you know, you know, no one's looking at this on the day you made it on Mm -hmm. this day. Oh my God. Like that's what, but the internet is that way, right? And I think depending on what news site you're looking at, there might not even be a date listed Mm -hmm. on an article and so we live in this weird like nebulous who knows i mean we all are used to feeling this way because of covid but like Mm -hmm. who knows what day it is who knows how recent this is like it's a weird world long gone are the days of our youth where people picked up a piece of paper to read the news you know that was delivered to your house each day (laughs) by underpaid youth Yeah, fourteen cents. It's, <laughs> but you're right, and it's. I will say that, you know, not that we want to, you know, Madam COVID come creeping up on here. I think that really has warped our sense of time. I know yeah. for me it has. It really is this continuous loop of still feeling very relevant at the year 2020 and feeling very much kind of within this glass bubble and stopping. So we have this extreme of where a lot of people, the world has stopped. But I think on the other side of that coin, we have people who desperately want to fast forward and for this part of our lives to kind of be over and done with. And I think we see that very much with these lifting of mask mandates because we have we are here now, aren't we? I uh, when we got back from traveling, one major airline literally the day we landed, I believe it was Delta had lifted the mask mandate. It was making it mask optional on their flights. And I was like, oh, Lord. Yeah, I was thinking of you because I knew you were flying that day and that was the day that that got overturned. Mm. I read news stories that were talking about (laughs) how like there were airlines that literally just like made the choice mid-flight, like (laughs) made the announcement, like had their flight crew make the announcement mid-flight. And I'm like, what? This is (laughs) incredibly irresponsible mid-flight to change the terms of flying um yeah Ugh. and i know we're both on the like full disclosure if you've been listening to the podcast you already know but if this is your first podcast enjoy we're both on the uh the more cautious side of of covid i know things are like so politicized that like you know people might might be thrown around that we're on the liberal side Oh, gosh, Danny, don't put let's not label this thing now. Yeah, but but I think, you know, I think we are we do tend to be a little bit more cautious. And and I know when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, it seemed inevitable that we talk about the current news surrounding COVID. And we have done a couple of episodes on COVID. (laughs) 
(laughs) which is interesting considering how long we've been in this world. But, you know, I think right now is is a strange time. As you mentioned at the top, it's like almost like it's not the end end, but it's it's a new chapter in in what public health concerns lie ahead. Mm. So what does this world look like in a time where we are all, as we as we were discussing before, two degrees away from mm-hmm. a, a COVID exposure? Yeah. But so the rest of the world so desperately, especially corporate world, thinking that it's it's over. It's it's so funny. Even now, when the mask mandate were lifted, uh, where I lived up here in Washington, it was giving very much the whiz where Eveline finally died and everyone's stripping out of those really awkward, heavy suits. And the dancers start singing, can you feel a brand new day in these yellow leotards yeah. like in the street yeah. flamboyantly? It's just like you you all really thought. I think it's bringing before like y'all thought you were oppressed. This is not oppression. <laughs> but no. It really does feel like people are saying once the mass mandate happened, like suddenly, poof, this went away. And I think that it's coming from a place of ye, you're you're a little out of touch because there are some people out there who are disabled, who couldn't get the vaccine, who didn't want to get the vaccine, who are still their underlying conditions didn't melt away either, who this is very much a reality for them. It's it's challenging. It's 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 really hard to see because I feel like that separation is becoming a bigger divide of people who can live with this and then people who are trying to live yeah. with this. Absolutely. The recent estimates seem to be that sixty percent of American adults have already had COVID and seventy five percent of American children have already had COVID. But we're still not hitting a herd immunity. And part of it is like, is this idea that COVID should, in theory, move towards kind of a less a less scary version, right? Like we've talked mm. about this since the get-go of like, when it becomes like the flu, definitely deadly to, to some people still, but a lot less scary overall. So I mm. think the hope is that it's moving that way. And a lot of people are already living like, it is that way. And I can tell you that like, you know, a lot of people have already had it twice too. How though do we we live like that considering not everyone is vaccinated and not everyone has a immune system that could handle it. You know, and for like a variety of reasons, right? Like either they're not vaccinated or other sort of conditions that that make it more dangerous. For me, I think I've been walking this line like, what is the line between being cautious and living life? And I think that's mm. a line that a lot of people are are figuring out. And some people have already figured it out and are already mm-hmm. living and good for them. That's <laughs> that's not me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I, I think even by bringing this up, I think we want to give our unicorns, our listeners, our co-conspirators, maybe if this just gives you a bit of comfort, if you are still struggling with how to live with this, if you, like myself, are dealing with a little bit of anxiety of how to move forward in a way to where you do get to live a little, 
Mm. But still be very cautious of not of yourselves, but let's even others. You could be very hyper aware of those who are, you know, elderly or those who are sick. You just don't know. There is no rule book for this. Like every stage of this pandemic, it is new. And so I think a big thing now is to try to, as much as possible, respect how people have decided where their boundaries are. Yeah. You know, I, I, I pause whenever I say boundaries because it's another pop word that's kind of really been used to death, right? Yeah. But I think we all have our limits, right? We have our own standards. And so I think for like me and mine right now, you take your calculated risks, you assess each situation individually, which can be a bit tiresome. But I think when you start being on the same page, you can start beginning to have a little bit more ease and being open and honest with your friends and family, I think, about your intentions and your limits as well. I think if you are, you know, if it's a big family gathering with so many people with maybe different age ranges, maybe it's saying, you know, this is my comfort level. I feel like I would need to mask. This is nothing against you all. It's for me, my personal uh, health. And you have to be okay with that as opposed to I'm at a park walking my dog, even though it's crowded, it's outside. It makes sense to me and I feel safe in that. And, you know, you have that right to to do that what you don't have the right is to give any side eye any judgment <laughs> any shade to those who are just trying to make the smartest choice for their own for their own health yeah and i think the devil's advocate um mm. side of that is there needs to be some grace with judging people who decide that their comfort level means you know, not masking and like moving forward with life. Yeah. I mean, I think that <laughs> that's the challenge for some of mm-hmm. us to have that those feelings. But I, I also think like we can't be asking for like grace and no side eye without acknowledging that there are plenty of smart, well-informed people who have yes. made the decision and might like some of us are in situations where either we or loved ones are immunocompromised and we have to make decisions based off of that. And some people don't have that consideration within their own lives and might not have that concern. It sounds a little judgy when I say it that way, but I don't mean it like in a judgmental way, but it's like they've weighed the options and have decided like the most important thing is to move forward and move beyond this. Mm. And I think there is a level of grace that needs to happen and I think personally, that's a challenge I have. But I think it's it's an important one to recognize. Mm. <laughs> so we want to pretend as though we we need to move forward as though we don't know everybody's business. <laughs> because you don't. Because you don't. Because <laughs> yeah. you don't. And we, I think this is something where we're having to be very, very aware of how much we don't know about others' business. So you want to talk about a challenge for yourself. I think that's a challenge across the board for most people is to... Be respectful of other people's business, but minding your own. Right. <laughs> right. And and I also recognize I can like hear the pushback already of mm-hmm. like, but those people don't care about people getting sick. Um, but I think, you know, you don't know their business. And yeah. that's so hard to swallow, isn't it? Because that's a lot of knee jerk reaction of. Yeah. They must not care or it must be nice or don't they know they could be. And once you, it's a lot to assume that 
you are more informed than them. So once again, it says a lot more about yourself, which once again, I'm speaking to me. It's speaking a lot more of what I think about myself. And that's something I have to sit with of like, do I not think that person reads? Do I not think they've done their homework? Maybe they are incredibly healthy. Like you got to sit in it. This is the new Maybe chapter. they just had COVID. <laughs> they yeah. aren't at a risk of getting sick. Yeah. Hopefully, knock on wood again, yeah. you know? Exactly, exactly. So it is It is a new world with new new lines and boundaries that we are all still trying to figure out. And we need to, like you said, be, be gracious moving forward and try to be as best as you can vocal about what your needs are in order for you to feel safe to operate. So the ever-present COVID, huge news story, still dominating news for many of us. What else is heavy on your heart or your news feed, Damika? <laughs> well, you know, when once again in correlation with, with COVID, I think we were both talking about like bird flu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bird flu. It's back, baby. Curl. Better than ever. She took some time off, really focused on her. You know, <laughs> she's just like, oh, y'all thought you forgot about me. Oh, y'all thought you could talk about sicknesses, pandemics and not mention me. It's like Zika's like, well, what about me? And they're like, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. This is about bird flu. Oh, my goodness. Girl, did you feel like you were, what was it? I don't, how many years ago was bird flu? Oh, I don't even want to guess, but yeah, you know, back back in in our younger days, a little <laughs> less wrinkles, a little fewer pounds. <laughs> Thinking about like, could a pandemic ever actually happen? Will mm. it be bird flu? Will it be swine flu? Girl, it was the year of the animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the naivete. I, I can't know. even imagine like the thoughts around pandemics back then, Can my personal thoughts. Yeah. Well, they were just the things of fiction. Like we went to yeah. go see Outbreak and all of that because it was just, oh, it would be so awful, wouldn't it? So on top of it being terrible and, and scary and a throwback, um, I think that the supply chain of food being also impacted by this bird flu is something that I have been taking a deep dive in and seeing this hike of price within it. So it's by no surprise that we have been dealing with everyone's like shortages, right? That's kind of the throwaway line of, oh, they didn't have this at the store. Oh, food shortages, uh, supply issues. But I mean, even the USDA, they're, they're forecasting this inflation of prices just even even now. So this came out uh, April 26th of this year of 5 to 6% increase on top of what has already had the 4.5 to 5.5 increase in the beginning of March. Yeah. I'm girl. <laughs> I've got one kid under 10. We have many snacks in my house. Like it is we we eat. I I can't our grocery bill is getting to the point where I'm just like we we need to consider going to strictly lagoons. <laughs> It needs to be a lagoon-based diet because I I can't imagine. And of course, in reading this, you know, digging further, who is ultimately going to be impacted by this? And this is going to be our low-income areas. These are going to be, once again, areas that are going to be predominantly inhabited by people of color. There's another article in Relating talking about the malnutrition of pregnant women and sourcing it back to these food shortages talking about if they have to make choices on what to get, they're going to get bulker food that are less in nutrients for, for families just trying to make it. This coupled with gas pricing, so it's going to cost you to go get the food. 
If you try to go out further to get the cheaper food. And then, of course, the quality and quantity of the food is also diminishing. And we're seeing a massive impact with those who are already in food deserts, who already may not have necessarily the education and access and availability to healthier choice foods. It's it's becoming this compound problem of, once again, diseases and public health having this lasting dominant impact, not on just our society here in America, which our public health is just, just so fragile right now. She's delicate. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, because tying healthcare to employment wasn't a good idea. <laughs> turns out. Oh, it's her, if I get a little more higher pitch. <laughs> but it, it's it's very, it's incredibly delicate right now with, with our, our public health issues and having, seeing how that's impacting our day-to-day life. It's that cycle of we're becoming malnutrition or, you know, or mm-hmm. com- and then that's going to impact our public health and strain in the public system. But then they're becoming strained and they're exhausted and the care that they're able to give and the amount of care is is waning and it continues in this vicious cycle. And it is so much, these issues we're talking about in news is just so much bigger than just like the clickbait of, oh, bird flu. I'm like, no, girl, bird flu. <laughs> bird flu measles it's all coming back i know i know i hope i hope y'all didn't like keep rebooting things i'm like there's some things that don't need to be rebooted right measles yeah. is one of them i don't need a part two i don't need a remake i don't need it you can keep it didn't like it the first time <laughs> i wasn't a fan i did not subscribe <laughs> yeah. yeah wow so the, he- the heavy news of public health. We don't have a whole lot of time, but I know that there are lots of other current event news stories that we might want to just rapid fire and give our hot takes on. Mm. So, you know, this is very circa Danny and D'Amika get mad at the internet vibes yeah, I'm getting right now. Should we put right in now. that music? Should we? Should we put it just right here? So what what do we get mad about this week, Tamika? What are we building on to continue getting more mad about? I mean, you know, there's just so much that I could possibly get very, really mad about. I guess maybe like maybe a little jump from that. We're talking about people of color and what their overall impact in our society. I'm going to take a hard right and go to prom season. Can Is that OK if I go there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in the this, this springtime. So this is a double thing. So one, when do prom dresses get to this level? You would think it was the red carpet. Girl, my feed of these kids, these children in their prom dresses, I can't even begin to tell you how awkward and terrible I looked at my one prom, but these kids are living their best life, right? On the other side of that, my feed was once again filled with almost like a next to graduation photos, all the prom proposals, right? That in recent uptick in popularity of putting it on the same stage as being asked to be wed or in a long-term relationship, they're getting bigger, better, but also more racist. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, which is nothing new, but each year I keep thinking, oh, surely this will be where we've nipped this in the butt, right? A high schooler from Chicago, I don't want to put their name in there. They are still children. They are dealing with it. Actually had a sign put up saying, white gentleman to a young lady of color, if I was black, I would be picking cotton. But since I'm white, I'm picking you. And the sign is decorated in cotton. Gross. 
Yeah. And, and the thing is, this is not the first one. There have been signs decorated in Kool-Aid packages. There's someone's like, you're a good snack covered in KFC buckets. You know, these things. And I'm seeing this predominantly a lot when we have a white male who is asking a woman of color to go to prom, which we have touched on before of there's this idea when a white man pursues her in a relationship with a woman of color that they're doing her almost a favor. Mm-hmm. You know, by allowing them to be in in a relationship or intimacy or having in that company. And I don't think we realize how young that idealism kind of starts. And this is, you know, not that I'm pro-prom, but this should be a lovely season of these kids at the end of the year, especially a lot of them have done the like most of their high schooling within a pandemic. And so let them have a great time. But there's always this bit of this, this taintedness of seeing this impact of lack of understanding of critical race theory, of not being called out on racist idealism, things that have been allowed to blossom and flourish to these, these ideals that they think that this is okay, that these are people who are about to go out into the world, that some of them are legal adults that are having these very full on thought out ideas. They've made the sign, thought this was a good idea and posted it. I'm like that that really really grinds my gears <laughs> i mean you know part of the concern is if it were just kids stuff just kids figuring things out like one eye roll two uh <laughs> two there are plenty of communities that don't see this behavior as a problem communities of adults mm. and that's that's what frightens me about it is it's just the continuation of these these ideas, especially when the public discourse narrative around Gen Zers are, are kids in high school still considered Gen Z? Are they a different generation? I think there might be another one, but that has so, to do with micro generations. But we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, but the the public perception is like they're more progressive. You know, you can't make those wide sweeping statements about like a whole country of people just because they're the same age you know mm-hmm. mm, i like that i like that because i do think there is this bit of a i'm not gonna say a falsity but you're right there's is a blanketed statement there's a little bit of a, a veil of they are progressive they are more liberal look at that and so much more accepting and you know forward thinking but you know it, it doesn't take it didn't take me very long to find things on the opposite spectrum of that yeah to move up a little bit in age from the high school world, let's take a, a turn over into the world of higher education. Ooh. <laughs> and talk talk some race there. Ooh. So recently, April 27th also, Harvard, the New York Times reported on this, Harvard was putting $100 million towards oh. what they're deeming a legacy of slavery fund. Uh, on its surface, kind of a weird title, but <laughs> I was about to say, like, title alone. I'm like, this is what we, the minds at Harvard came up with. Okay. Yeah. Because doesn't legacy have like a positive connotation? It does. It hits the ear as a very preservation, like, uh, yeah. it, it, it preserve, like you want to preserve this. Yeah. The thing is, so here's here's what it's setting out to do. This this money is going to be used for tracing the modern day descendants of enslaved people at Harvard. Yes, the slaves who were at Harvard, my friends. Creating exchange programs between students and faculty at Harvard with HBUs. Cool. Okay. 
collaborating with tribal colleges, also cool, for that, working to improve schools in the American South and the West Indies where plantation owners made their fortunes. There was a lot of profiteering that happened in the name of Harvard um, Mm. in the West Indies and in the American South. So, okay, cool. You know, what's completely left out of this is any sort of idea of direct financial reparations for the descendants of these enslaved people or for any sort of funding or money to support those buzzwords, again, diversity and inclusion at Harvard. So it's like this very almost, you know, like shallow feel of like, this is the bare minimum that you should have been doing already, but we're going to make a big to do about all that you're doing in the name of, you know, reparations for the legacy of slavery at Harvard. I just find it very, very disturbing, very lackluster and disappointing. Like they're trying to to get a pat on the back for doing something that is not that impressive in my mind. Mm, well, this is the Ivy School and we just can't hand out scholarships to yeah. increase the diversity because you have to earn it to get here right we can't that we can't do the handouts like that you know it's it's, you know it's almost like we don't want to actually try to learn from all these things from our legacy program in order to try to rectify it but just draw attention that we are we're aware of what we did yeah (laughs) and to be clear like a hundred million dollars is just like a drop in the bucket compared to the the profiting the university and its donors benefited from from their ties to slavery into the 19th century it was disappointing <laughs> it was a disappointing read for me even though i am in favor of the things that they say that they want to do with this money but also like what's the point of tracing this lineage and then like doing nothing like those those modern day descendants of enslaved people like it's my feeling that those people should be able to go to harvard for free like like Mm -hmm. do something with that knowledge don't just like what's the point of tracing it that see this is that's what rubs me the wrong way is that they're spending all this money to simply acknowledge and do the work like i said it it feels very much like a this is a researcher's dream right they want to go and find out this history and they're very driven by that fact and finding it out is what the end goal is but i think when we're talking about doing the actual work when we're talking about reparations when we're talking about even reconciliation right that's the part that I think we desire to see more so of that. And what does that look like? And I and I think just simply recognizing things that we kind of already know yeah. <laughs> is I'm glad it benefits you, but it does not benefit those you have profited off of. And that, that's yeah. what's that's what's challenging. I like I, said, I I also agree. Those are some great things. And I think with that much backing and research, I think we'll be able to discover even more. But I think it's being prepared of what you're going to do with that more. So it's very much like, OK, so now what? I think that's when I when we were you were telling me about it. I kept having that question of like, OK, so now what? Mm. And yeah. I'm really hoping of those as they're continuing that hopefully as they're bringing diversity, they're going to keep bringing in board and educators and presidents and, and all of that. That's going to be able to come in there and answer that question of, OK, but now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But now what? Harvard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me go there for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh you you got to be in an okay place to to read the news these days. Yeah. I wanted to give an honorable mention because always yeah. always jeopardy. Always jeopardy. Mm. And I was hesitant to bring it up because <gasps> You know, I don't want to jinx anything. I'm like knocking on all the wood right now. But right now there is a current reigning new champion. This has been the season of champions. Welcome to Jeopardy cast. But she is, she's young. She's She's 23. 23. I I was going to say 25. I could not remember that she's young, young. Yeah, she's 23. Matea Roach. And this has been a recent, a recent thing also. April 28th, there was NBC on their Twitter posted a tweet that said, the 23-year-old lesbian tutor from Toronto has amassed a total of $320,081, the most by a Canadian contestant in Jeopardy history. As you can imagine, the lesbian tutor. (laughs) People are are not into it. Um, <laughs> like the minds of like the brilliant minds of, of, of Twitter, I guess. Yeah. So Not it's like, wh- what is what is lesbian tutor? Does that mean she helps people become better lesbians? Like what is girl? The business is is booming. She <laughs> Pride Month is coming up. If you need a tune up on how to be a better lesbian for your community, go to the lesbian. Or do you think it's kind of like she just draws out like a tutor, like not a like a tutor, right. but a tutor? You know, like she, mm. you know, like yeah. it's very Shakespearean lesbian. Yeah, and so. <laughs> And so, of course, like she has, she has some like big fanship because she's another LGBTQ Jeopardy champion, yeah. and people are excited about it. But her sexuality has literally never come up on Jeopardy. And NBC's response was, according to her Twitter account, she's a lesbian. <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I found. I found this both like a feel-good eye roll story that is kind of in line with a lot of Danny and Tamika get mad at the internet because, man, that's just like some dumb, <laughs> dumb phrasing, MSNBC. And I, I know. Oh, and the, the worst part is it's like when like an older relative, they were trying to do something, I think, like hip and cool and accepting because it sounds like they were just trying to be like but she is and we're not hiding that and we're putting it it's so important we put it right after her name and and i mean i think it's important (laughs) but i think it's important to embrace people for like their their full selves and i think like having we talk Mm -hmm. about this a lot representation matters for sure but also has nbc news ever referred to Ken Jennings is the straight Jeopardy champion. Like, I mean, maybe they probably should been like this white straight male yeah. champion. <laughs> no, no offense, Mister Mister Jennings, sir, but but you're completely right. Of moving forward within this in- 
accepting people in their totality looks like just that. It is an, an aspect of you, but it is not your se- sexuality defining you. And I think representation maybe it looks like including more queer questions within that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, maybe the commercials can be a bit more queer centric and and what they're going for and the establishments that they that they, uh, they they support as well. It looks a little bit different than just simply being like, look, we've had a gay yeah. on the show. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like first we had the, the, this a, a brilliant. A transgendered contestant and I think they're kind of living in that afterglow per se and they're just like look we got another one you know it's like it's not it's not funny and I hope it did not cause the contestant any like strife or to feel some kind of way but it was just like it's just one of those things of like oh I saw what you were trying to do and you you missed it you, you missed, missed it buddy mark yeah <laughs> the lesbian tutor like I need a sticker yeah. collection of the lesbian tutor. So I'm here for it. <laughs> lesbian tutor. Um, on that note, tutor, should, should we, we should we continue yeah. the upswing with uh getting getting happy? Yeah, I can't imagine being any happier than <laughs> I am now, honestly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamika, what's making you happy this week? You know what? I'm going to go so lame right now. But anyone who's ever traveled, no matter how nice a place is, there is nothing like coming back to your own bed. Mm. There is nothing like it. There is absolutely. So I'm going to save my bed. I don't get to spend much time in there as I would like lately. But when I am in there... It is so nice. I don't know. Like my husband and I, when we were first together, we had like a futon and then we had an air mattress for the mattresses are expensive. It's like tires for your car. It's so hard to be like uh, to justify it. But when we moved into this house, we finally were grown ups and got a box mattress like the elder millennials that we are went down to our local Costco, got one that came in a box. But it was it's just been the absolute best. We our daughter often barges into our bed so we got like a king size bed with heavy blankets to you know to help block out the pacific northwest dampness and it was just like wow our first night back is like man i take this bed for granted the other bed's not bad but i like i yeah. took this bed and the pillows and the heavy blanket like for granted i was like oh this is this is i should be here more i should do this more so yeah it is it is my bed yeah. whenever i get to it but yeah, what about what about you? What is your happy place? Yeah, I can't remember now if this is related to my last happy place or like a recent a recent happy place. Mm. But I'm gonna go with like another another gardening project as my happy Ooh. place. So this is gonna be my and hopefully I'm planting this weekend my three sisters garden and it's it's really exciting uh because the the Choctaw Nation has this program called the Growing Hope program and uh tribal members are provided with seeds for three different plants of your choice uh, annually and these are like traditional seeds that have been shared and and are in the process of like continuing to grow out and to to be preserved and used and documented. So it's really, really exciting. The Smith peas that I'll be planting are actually 
were grown out in Mississippi initially and were carried across the Trail of Tears and have continued to be grown out and cultivated in Oklahoma. So it's just like a fun, cool project to feel like connected to like thinking about like the millennia, drawing that line of my ancestry, thinking about people growing these foods on this continent for so, so long. So that's my happy place. And Tamika's oh, completely in tears. <laughs> Some of it is allergies. <laughs> I love that. I, because it's just like, once again, like something of just like talking about within our podcast of feeling that connectivity and like I said, the, the work of having to do that. And I think something so tactile is something that's in the ground. And, you know, and I think your family already having such a connection to like crops and growth and food. I think it's just one of those magical moments is a very kind of full circle in its totality. And that is just, and then seeing the progress grow, there's something, oh, being able to just like look out there and just see it is, oh, that is such a happy place. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yay. Yay. So, yeah. It's the season of both rest and growth. So, <laughs> ooh, that's different for us. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here. I'm absolutely here because it's both are needed. It's true. It's mm-hmm. true. Um, which actually reminds me, oddly enough, and you know, I'm going through some some growth and changes in my own life right now. And the other day, I turned on Jeopardy. I was late to Jeopardy and I turned it on. And the very first thing that was said on the TV when I turned it on was like the, uh, you know, the answer to a question. And it was that sometimes change is as good as rest. Um, And I think that that's like a beautiful, beautiful message to hold on to, you know, change and growth are are important and rest is important. And sometimes they can, they can be stand-ins for each other. Ooh, if that is not like the theme, especially like I said, I feel bad for other people, but they weren't privy to our conversation beforehand. Like that is the chef kiss to like of today. Yeah. Of this of this of this chapter, I think, for at least personally for you and I. But yeah, we hope that for our unicorns as well. Oh, I like that so much. Yeah. So unicorns, we'd love to hear what you think or if you have pearls of wisdom to drop us or, you know, if there are news stories that you are wanting to hear our hot takes on, you can reach out to us via email by racialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns and we're on Twitter at biracialmagic. We cannot do this alone. It indeed takes a village. We want to send so much thanks to Dolly Pop Art, who's done our very iconic photo up there. I love whenever I tell people about the show and they look it up in front of me and they go, is this you? And they love showing off our little unicorn. It's iconic. I absolutely love it. Please go follow her on Instagram. I want to say thank you so much for Submit Photography for doing some of our very candid photos together, which we did not take a photo together when oh we were God. together. We didn't. I know. I am we didn't so take, bad at taking photographs. We were like so in the moment. We were just enjoying it. I was I was like lost in chickens and cry check eating cheese and like I was just <laughs> That was for My us personally. My cat is not well behaved. 
No, no, no. But we, I was here for it. I think we just got lost in it and just didn't even think about it. But yes. So thank you, Jesse, for having some of the very rare photos of us actually physically being together. And also a huge shout out to Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. Please go give them some love. And while you're there on the internet, if you could just grant us the favor of helping us through the machine, the algorithm in order to get this information to break through those silos, rate us. And if you could be generous with that rating, that would be great. And also to give us a review. Those help us more than you you really, really know. And that gives us the support. If you don't want to support in that way, and if you've got a little extra change, you could buy us a coffee. We, they give us a little coin. This work we do, we do it. <laughs> we don't get paid for this. Yeah. We do this because we think it's, it is important. But it does take time. It does take effort and equipment. And any help would be greatly appreciated. Wait, we didn't get into podcasting for the money? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? <sighs> can you uh, can you absolutely imagine? Yeah, I mean, only the Conan O'Briens of the world. Oh, I know. I know. When people talk about like success, like you I I want to meet. Here we go. Can you put us in line with the people, podcasters, who were just regular, regular people, like had no connection, not even like, I'm not even talking about D-list celebrities of, that have started a podcast and have mild success. I want the average Joe who started from the bottom and now they're here because it's like, I struggle. I really struggle to find those. So, so we do it for the love. We do it for the love. <laughs> love. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Next week, we will be back with a mini-sode. And in two weeks, we'll be back with another full episode in celebration of AAPI. <laughs> That's okay. We didn't coordinate that. So I'm just going to go for it. AAPI <laughs> Heritage Month. So once again, the delay of like hearing it and then seeing it, I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> And where I have you, you're actually quite small, like in the corner of my skirt. All right. Well, you know, that may or may not stay in the episode, but that's organic and who we are. But yes, I'm so, so very excited to be doing that first. So please make sure you tune in. I don't know if people still say tuned in, but yes, AAPI Heritage Month. I am so excited for it. We'll be here for it. Make sure you listen. All right, y'all. Peace. Out. Out.